Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Vision Church. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm not just up here for an announcement. I'm actually speaking this morning. So, yay. Praise God. (laughs) I'm super excited about it. All right. So, welcome to Vision Church, first of all. If you have not met me or if I have not come up and met you, my name is Becca Johnson. I have the honor of working here at Vision Church and being the pastor's daughter and firstborn. I'm just kidding. Um, So, and the only daughter, so that's kind of (laughs) nice. Um, anyways, so I love this place. I love this house. I think it's hilarious um, the way God brought us here. No idea I'd be standing here in 2019 doing this, but that's who our God is, and he's super cool, and he's super amazing and super awesome. All right, so God put a word on my heart, and I actually hit on it randomly a couple weeks ago when I was doing a ministry time, and it poured out of me, and I was like, what in the world, God? That was so good. And that is getting back to default settings. Getting back to default settings. So let's pray, shall we? Father God, I thank you so much, first of all, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross just for us. We would not be here without that, without you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for preparing our hearts of the hearers, preparing my heart as the speaker this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your words only, not my own. I thank you, Lord, for um, just making us pliable, making us movable, Father God, giving us hearts that are willing to make a change, willing to make a difference um, in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So I thank you, Lord, for that right now. We honor you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So everyone um, that's ever spoken before knows that the first thing you do when you are preparing for your sermon is you look up jokes. So here we go. Let's do a joke. You ready? Who's ready for a joke? I'm ready for a joke. Okay. The new busboy was just 16. And because he was doing such a great job, we were all impressed at how well he was doing his first day, which is why we were a little surprised the next day when he didn't show up for his shift. Then an hour late, he came running in, red-faced and breathless, and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot I had a job. <laughs> He's 16, that's pretty cute. Okay, a husband and wife were dining at a five-star restaurant. When their food arrived, the husband said, our food has arrived, let's eat. His wife reminded him, honey, you always say your prayers at home before we eat. Her husband replied, that's at home, my dear. Here the chef knows how to cook. I know. That's a good one, wasn't it? All right. Okay. Who's on that iPhone train? Anyone on that iPhone train? Who has an iPhone? Got an iPhone? Cool. They're the best. Who's got the Android? Yeah. Okay. No matter what phone you have, you have a settings, right? A system preferences, an area that... If you're my mom, you come running up to us being like, change this in my settings. What is this red one? What does that mean? So one of my favorite buttons under settings that I use quite frequently, and it's so funny. I don't know why I do this. But I will go to settings, go to general, go all the way down to reset. 
and I'll reset my home screen. I do not know why I do that, but I love it going back to factory settings. If I feel like it's getting messy, or I feel like I have a lot of apps and like a lot of you know, different libraries of apps, I'm like, let's clean this up, and I will literally click reset. And what does it do? It resets it back to default settings. I believe that God wants us today to get back to default settings. And so actually, when we were talking about this series, Vision for Life, that was going to happen all the way till the end of the year, um, Dad, or Pastor Phil, was like, okay, I want everyone in the family to preach. And we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, what are you going to preach on, you know? And we were kind of going around the table, and Mom mentioned what, you know, something God did stirring on her heart, and Zach mentioned something on his, and I was like, I have no idea. What am I? I have no idea <laughs> what, what, what God would want me to preach about. Um, and Zach looked at me and he was like, you need to preach on purity. He was like, vision for purity. And it just kind of struck me and I was like, you're so right. That is for sure something um, that's very close to my heart. And so I wanted to give you guys some things that God has taught me on purity. You know, whenever you think of purity, what's the first like natural word you think of, bodily purity, right? Sexual purity. Um, the funny thing is in the Bible, they use sexual purity as an example um, to show you what God's heart was behind purity because most people think of that natural state of, you know, if you're a virgin before marriage or if you're not, you know, that kind of labels if you're pure or not. And that's completely not what the Bible says. But let's get into this, Okay. Pure means, I love this, unmixed with any other matter. It's free from dust, dirt, or taint. It's spotless, stainless, free from harshness or roughness, and being in tune. I love that, in tune. It's being thus and nothing else, no other, containing nothing that does not properly belong. How many of you guys know the word God gave me a couple weeks ago was getting back to default settings. And in my mind, that was like, what have I picked up that when I was five years old, I cared nothing about? Like, I didn't fear water when I was five years old. And why now when I'm 24, you know, I'll only get this deep in the ocean now. You know, I mean, what made that happen? What put that in my mind to, okay, now I'm going to be a little bit in fear or I'm going to let this in. That's where God was like, wait a second. I didn't, you know, that's not mature to me, is you discovering more fear or discovering more life and it makes you step back. It's like, no, I want you running forward and moving on. Okay, I want to give you guys some stats because when it comes to sexual purity, it's a little scary right now what's going on in our world. Millennials, who's a millennial in here? I'm a millennial. Yeah, we got a couple. Cool. All right. Did you know millennials are the largest living generation? Ever, right here. Yeah, cool, right? Millennials, we're the, we're the best. I'm just kidding. Millennials are the largest living generation, which means that what my generation does right now is making a huge impact in this world. Basically, what we say is right kind of is happening right now in the world. What we say is okay, it's okay, but it's not okay. That's what I'm getting at. Um, so the way we conduct ourselves when it comes to dating and marriage is going to impact generations of the church, family, and culture at large. 61, okay, think about this, 61% of self-identified Christians said they are willing to have casual sex before marriage without being in love. 
like not even in love. Isn't that nuts? 61%. Here's another one. While only 11% said they are waiting to have sex until they are married. And it got me thinking, and I was like, what in the world? Like, did you know in the Christian world right now, we need men. Like, we need guys to step up. There is actually like five Christian girls to every one Christian guy. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And so as women, it can be very overwhelming. And you can think, you know, if no one else is waiting for me, why am I waiting? You know, that's kind of where our generation's at right now. In 2011, Relevant Magazine poll revealed that 80% of young unmarried Christians have had sex, and two-thirds have been sexually active in the last year. And so I just wanted to kind of put that out there that purity needs talked about, don't you think? And like setting a standard needs talked about and being a difference. Okay, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, I want to show you what God says about this and what he says is right, because what he says goes, right? (laughs) It says, God's will is for you to be set apart for him in holiness and that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual defilement. Yes, each of you must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity, not yielding to lustful passions like those who don't know God. Never take selfish advantage of a brother or sister in this matter, for we have already told you and solemnly warned you that the Lord is the avenger in all these things. For God's call on our lives is not to a life of compromise and perversion, but to a life surrounded in holiness. Therefore, whoever rejects this instruction isn't rejecting human authority, but God himself, who gives us his precious gift, his spirit of holiness. Sanctified literally means to be set apart by God for his holy purposes. And so whenever you realize that, not only is your life not your own, but your heart, your holiness, your purity, um, it, all, it all links to God. It's all there. And so he sees and he knows. I love that scripture. I don't think I put it in here, but that he's searching over the earth. He's looking for those whose hearts are pure towards him. And the funny thing is people can't really see that. We can't see each other's hearts. Like, I don't know how your heart's doing. I can't look and see how pure it is or what it looks like. But God literally, he can look way down deep in there and see what's going on. And so it's our job. It's something I think that's so private, the purity um, walk with God. It's something so private, but it shows the biggest fireworks whenever you're able to step out and like, and show that character part of yourself. I think it's one of the coolest things when I see someone's purity out in the open, because you know they only worked on that in here. Like, it's not something you can do in front of others, if that makes sense. One of the coolest stories in the Bible, one of my favorites, is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Something I love was their purity got to be unfolded. It got to be unearthed um, when they were put literally in the fiery furnace, and I love the way Nebuchadnezzar reacts because (laughs) he's so, um, like, very emotional, and he's, like, very, like, out there, and I love it. But we're going to read it, right? Let's do this. Let's read through this story because it's worth it. Where is this story? I don't think I wrote it down. Daniel 3, I think. Daniel 3, yep. Daniel 3, verse 1. Do you have it on the screen? Cool. Cool. Daniel 3.1. I'm going to read, and let's get in this. 
King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. They set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officials, officers, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials, all of those guys, came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, the identification of some of these musical instruments is uncertain. Bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace." At the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race, nation, language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. The Jews were always doing something, weren't they? They were trying it, always trying it. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. When they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. I love that purity is loud without being loud. Like literally they're making a stand, but not doing anything. But I love the way they respond when they're confronted. It's so great. Okay, where was I? 13, thank you. Then Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. The horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, other musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. (laughs) I love how they're like still honoring. (laughs) But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I love that. Okay, I'm going to mute that. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. I mean, he's so emotional. Okay, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind them and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king and his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. 
but suddenly. God likes to do those suddenlies. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up. It's a little jump. What's up? Jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Yeah, he does. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded. Isn't that funny? All those guys that were like tattletaling. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, and then he's emotional again. Therefore, I make this decree if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. He's like so intense. Then the king promoted them to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Okay, I know that was long, but I think it's a good refresher because sometimes we just hit on these, but have we gone back and, you know, like really dove into them? Um, I loved that that the king even said, like, they were willing to defy my command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any other god except their own god. There's something that um, shows in purity and character when you're willing to defy but still have honor. I mean, they still were like, we're not going to do that, your majesty. Like, <laughs> like, nope, we're doing this. But we still honor you, and we respect the position that you're in. Um, there's something that, you know, people can think in my generation that we're so entitled. I don't know where that comes from. We're not at all. Um, that we don't need to be early to work, or that we don't need to, you know, step out and be a change in someone else's life because we're just busy in our own little world, and we're waiting to get married because we want to do our career first, or, you know, we're, we, it's kind of all about us. And I really just want to stretch my generation to be like, you are literally in the perfect spot to be the change. Like, you are the one that people are watching. You're the one that's going to make the difference, that people are going to see what you do in those quiet moments, and then when something comes up, are you going to, like, are you going to stand for it? Are you going to speak against it? Are you going to be for it? Because if you say nothing, you're probably for it. Um, and so, I, anyways, that's a little off subject. Um, okay. Something that my mom said earlier was obedience to the Lord is what keeps you in the center of God's will, daily obedience, you know, continual obedience. Um, the fear of the Lord is something that keeps me pure, <clears throat> honestly, is I've had different situations and circumstances in my life where things have come up and everyone around me is like, it's going great, Becca, it's going great. But like, there's something in my heart that's like, 
but it's not. Like, there's something there, and I don't know what it is. Like, um, I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my heart. And it's like the fear of the Lord will keep you in right standing with God. Obedience is the manifestation of the fear of the Lord. And so that's almost like if you stop obeying God, he's going to get quieter and quieter. And he'll get quieter and quieter because he'll be like, okay, you're going to do your own thing. But if you will, to each little nudge and little thing, he'll be like, oh, she's open. She's open. Okay, here's the next thing I want you to do. And then you step into that, and it gets easier and easier to hear God. But if you don't fear him, mm, that's like a big red flag to God Um, because you can't fear him and expect him to bless you in your life and expect him to keep guiding you in your life. Um. Acts 9.31 says, The church then had peace throughout Judah, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. It also grew in numbers. Who was here last week for Pastor Paul's message? Holy Spirit, that was phenomenal. Um, It just brought it back to, wait, I'm supposed to literally walk every day with the Holy Spirit, and he will guide me. A wise man once said, Purity doesn't conform. It simply lives in the right form. Say that again. Purity doesn't conform. It literally lives in the right form. I'm just going to let that soak in there. It's still soaking in me, honestly. Purity comes with peace. It's a way of life, not a destination. So don't think there's just one I'm pure, I'm good, right? Like there's one thing or one prayer you need to pray or one um, worship song you need to worship to and then you're clean. It's not anything like that. It's literally Jesus paid the price and you know how we can always come back to him for repentance? That's what it is. It's just making sure that you're always having heart checks and coming back to him. If you can lay down your head at night knowing you're good with God, knowing there's not a little nudge in there but that you've done everything he's told you to do that day, then you're good. Then you've had your heart check. Uh, But that's basically what it is. Over Christmas last year, we talked about um, the veil. You guys remember the temple veil? It was 40 cubits, which is about 60 feet high. This is what, 15 feet, 20 feet? 15? Okay. So the veil in the temple was 60, 60 feet high, um, just so you know that. And it was four inches thick. Four inches right there. Yeah. It's about that thick. Um, I brought in, what was it, phone books actually, and, and asked some guys to tear them up because it says that when Jesus died, um, that the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. It was four inches thick. So do you think someone could have, like, and just like tear it down? Like, there's no possible way. It was literally just Jesus. And do you know why? He was the one that had to tear the temple veil. It was because up until he died, there was a veil because there was a holy of holies and there was a priest and there was people, you guys. And so the priest would say, what's your prayer? What what would you like me to tell God? And then he would go into the holy of holies and talk to God. Well, Jesus tore that. And so that's the same way it is with purity today. And getting back to default settings, getting back to how Jesus originally wanted it in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. Okay. I love the veil. It's so cool. That occurring at the moment, it was so momentous. 
Okay. Gold. I'm going to skip that, actually. When the Bible is certainly concerned about sexual purity, he's more concerned with purity of the heart. I want you guys to know that. In James 4.8, it says, Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come closer and closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, <laughs> and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. I love how like easy that is. It says that we have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Now, some might say I'm a little bit intense, but um, growing up, I was the child that they could see it on my face when I did something wrong. And then if they didn't know, I would get so convicted in my heart that I would go and tell my mom, like, I did this. I feel horrible. I need to spank it. I did so bad. Like, here's this. And Zach was the one, that kid, the rebel. He, they would never find out. Like, he would do stuff, come home, act like nothing was wrong. And then the next morning, my mom would, like, find out what he did. And she'd be like, Zach, like, what's going on? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, <clears throat> So I've noticed growing up, like, you know, I mean, that's how it was as a little kid, and you don't really change much if you have that much conviction in your heart and that much of an open heart to the Holy Spirit. So it's almost like growing up, it's been more intense. Um, it's just bigger things, you know, that God's like, even in my eating, you heard Zach talk about conviction whenever he eats and stuff. And for me, it's like if I'm in a relationship or um, if I'm listening to too many, like, secular songs instead of Christian songs. It's simple stuff like that, that I will literally get just a little bit convicted. And I'm like, God, like, why can't, why? <laughs> why do I have to feel this, you know? And, um, and it's almost like he's given me, like, glimpses of my future. Because don't you know, like, he's got so much good for you if he's interested in that small of details because I'm like this is God this is not a bit this is not a big deal it's not a big deal why do I feel this you know but then he's like because I got you and I know what I want you to do in your future and that could be a stumbling block or something that um, closes off a part of your heart that I want you to be open in um, so I just want you guys like if you're feeling some conviction in a small area don't brush it off because that's literally the training grounds so that when you are in that other country or that um, huge business or something and God tells you to make a big move, it's an easy, you know it's him. It's an easy yes. Okay, discovering how much he loves me has been one of the greatest drives um, to me listening to him, to me being obedient to take a change and to make a course correction because I hear it in his heart. Because um, a lot of times I'm like, God, that hurts, and that hurts really bad, and how could you love me and ask me to do that? Um, I'm going to get a little bit personal, but about three years ago, I ended a relationship that just kind of happened really quick, and, um, and like, it wasn't bad. My parents trust me because, again, I'm very open. Like, you're getting unfiltered Becca right now. Like, I'm always unfiltered. I'm never, like, pre-processed, um, and God told me to end it. Like, everyone else was saying, yes, like, cool. And, but it was my heart. Like, God was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, why? <laughs> but anyways, um, my body reacted. Like, literally, I wouldn't eat around him. I felt super duper sick. 
and I would walk around our neighborhood like crying out to God and be like, I, okay, by the way, I've always been skinny. Like I've never had a chubby stage in my life. I'm like my dad. I'm very like straight. And, um, but we eat tons. Like I eat tons of food. And so not eating was like, God, I always eat tons of food. Like what's going on? And, and I hated that. <clears throat> and it was like whenever I obeyed and broke it off, It wasn't immediate, but I remember, I'm not kidding, this was in Branson at the condo, and I remember seeing Jesus smile at me. I saw this up, this part up, and he literally just smiled at me, and I just, you know, lost it, but I was like, now looking back, I was like, God, thank you, because, you know, we can be so blind in those moments when we're deep in them, or when everyone else is saying it's okay, but the one thing but the most important thing. Um, And so, God, I just thank you for that. That was so good. But talk to him like you do everybody else. Don't treat him any different. I mean, he is extra special, so you can, like, treat him extra special. But um, don't play him or go into it with a preconceived, all right, I'm going to get on my knees, and I'm going to, like, you know, just, like, have this pre-planned thing. Just talk to him because he's just talking to you. That's all it is. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh, my word. I'm at the bottom. How did this happen? Okay, wait. Gold. Like gold is refined and the impurities come to the top, so our lives should be constantly refined. For something to be pure gold, by the way, that means that it's gold and literally nothing else. There is no other element in it. It is 100% gold. It's holy gold. So purity communicates wholeness. It's literally wholeness, not partially one thing and partially another, but wholeness. For someone to be pure in heart, it means that their heart is set on one thing and nothing else. It is wholly directed toward one thing. Um, And, you know, my literal mind is like, does that mean you want me to be single my whole life? Like, what does that mean? (laughs) But then God was like, no, but I want you to focus on me so much and, like, I need practical steps. And so he's like, talk to me first when you wake up in the morning. Talk to me first. Um, When you're going throughout your day and you need to, like, just talk, talk to me. Um, Be willing to have a willing heart and a willing mind. I remember hearing, I don't know if it was Kenneth Hagin or who it was, but um, they were moving their family and started traveling. And um, he was, like, crying out in, the, in a hotel room one night because I guess they were, like, low on finances or something. And he was like, God, like, you know, I came out. I was, will, or I was obedient. I came out. And I did what you asked me to do. And God spoke to his heart and was, and was like, you were obedient, but you weren't willing. Like, what, is, what does the Bible say? The willing and obedient eat the good of the land. Not just the obedient. And not just the willing, because there's a lot of willing people, but they're not obedient. But it was like the willing heart, an obedient heart, eat the good of the land. And then they ended up, you know, getting money and stuff. But it was like, God, I always want my heart to be so pliable and moldable and willing to change if you need me to make a move, if you need me to make a change, Um, but also willing to be okay with where I'm at. Um, and be steadfast in where I'm at. I remember moving here to Arkansas. I had a major cry session with God, and I was like, why, God? (laughs) 
That sounds horrible, but that's what it was. It was literally like, why are we moving here? What, what, what? Like, it just came out of nowhere. Um, and I think God just let me kind of, like, get it out because he never really gave me an answer in that moment. Um, but as time has gone on, he's given me answers and been like, that was why. You know, that person was why. That person at work was why. Um, and so I just want to encourage you guys to always have heart checks. And I also want to encourage those that feel like maybe you've lost some of your purity. I don't know if it was bodily um, or if it was internally, just spiritually, because that can happen too, where you've um, been singed a little bit. Or there's different areas in your life where you've allowed fear to creep in or you've allowed that knee pain to stay um, <clears throat> or that back pain to stay. Or maybe a mindset, because your mom had that mindset, and so I have to have that mindset. You know, what if there are certain things that God was like, no, I made you original, um, and Jesus is your default, so why are you allowing that to trip you up? Um, like, so many things have come up, <clears throat> which I know you guys are humans too, so it happens to all of us, but like, things have come up that I've been like, God, I wasn't dealing with that when I was 10. Um, like a swallowing thing. I have a really weird swallowing habit that I've literally cried out to God and been like, why did I develop this habit? Because then it puts air bubbles in my stomach and then in my back starts hurting a little bit. It's so weird. And I'm like, God, this is not Jesus. This is not default. This shouldn't be happening, you know? And then, um, but then you know how things grow. So let me tell you how it grew. So then we were like tubing in, you know, on a boat in um, Minnesota. And every time I fell off the tube, I couldn't catch my breath back. And I was just like, this is the worst, I'm done, no. But see how it like, it shut it off. It shut off different things in my life. And you know, your mind likes to think, oh, I'm just gaining wisdom because I'm an adult now, you know. I'm just gaining wisdom on like what I need, you know, how I need to live. And maybe I shouldn't be doing that because now I have this problem. And we carry, we start putting all this stuff on, all of this baggage on that Jesus is literally like, that's not how I created you. I told you there's a devil out there, and he's trying it. So what are you going to do about it? Um, and so like Pastor Phil and Pastor Nicole would encourage you, I also want to encourage you guys today to find scriptures specifically for those situations. Um, like in my phone, I have literally swallowing scriptures and that I've just seen, and they're not specific to that, but they're, you know, God leads you, and he guides you to specifically um, what you need. And so... What are those things and that baggage? And I just want to encourage you guys to think if it's a mindset, if it's a pain, you're like, oh, my, my parents had this, so it's hereditary. It shouldn't be. It's not supposed to be. Um, and just because it's flu season doesn't mean you have to have the flu. <laughs> you know, just these things don't give, don't give the devil an option. Literally, you're literally being like, it's time, bring it. No, don't do that. That's horrible. You know, God is like, here's your default, Jesus. And Jesus did say, be perfect, like I'm perfect. So what does that mean? It's attainable. What? She did not just say that. We're sinners, right? But we're saved by grace. And Jesus said, okay, so now I want you to step into rightness. Now I want you to step into I am pure, so you're pure. And I don't care what you did in your past or where your mind's at. So anyways, that's my encouragement for you guys today and the word God gave me. So let's pray. And then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Phil. Um, but Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for being you. Thank you, Lord, for being so sweet to always um, help us take a step 
to always take a step and then draw a line behind us like we'll never go back there. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for anointing each and every person in here. Whatever baggage, whatever things they have from their past, and I'm talking about like 10 minutes ago past, whatever like was just has been going on and been grabbing on, like different principalities that have just jumped on their back. I thank you, Lord, that you just give them a plan. Yes, we're going to pray those off, but I thank you, Lord, for also giving them a strategy and a plan, Father God, because you have a plan outside of just us praying it off, but okay, now this scripture is going to help me get it off. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to use your word. We're not just going to lean um, on the pastor. I thank you, Lord, we are going to dive in and walk out this life based upon that inkling in our heart, what you are telling us. So I thank you, Father God, for just giving everyone in this room the courage to step out, Father God, to go back to default settings and to stop their mouths in Jesus' name and my mouth if we begin to complain or begin to say, um, talk about a sickness or something like it's normal and be like, oh, Holy Spirit, just grab their tongue and be like, um, no, your angels are on your way with your miracle and you're going to stop them if you talk. And so I thank you, Lord, for anointing every person in here again. I thank you, Lord, for you. Thank you, Jesus, so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.